Welcome to the Frame of Flower podcast. My name is LMC. I'm joined by a very special guest. His name is Serge. He is the head grower at Maywood Cookies. Thank you for joining me, Serge. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so let's just start out like with your background. Where are you from? Kind of what, you know, what got you to where you are now? Um, yeah, uh, pretty much. I grew up right here in L.A., uh, started smoking weed in the seventh grade and uh shortly after that when i was 15 like i found like a bag seed in in a bag that i had gotten and i uh germinated it and watched it grow was fascinated by the whole process uh i actually got arrested growing my first plant <laughs> 15 and ended up going to, like juvenile hall for it uh since then i've like uh, had a passion for the plant you know everybody told me uh, you know it's bad for you and it'll uh you know it'll fuck your future up this and that but i decided you know it did a lot for me medicinally i have a lot of anxiety and other things so uh decided i was going to take that route and you know throughout high school i was just growing bud and selling weed in high school and kind of just led into what it is right now so love that dude i love that it's like you know everyone keeps telling you don't do this don't do this and you just kind of stubborn right and now it's led you to like this amazing industry and you know you're you're working for this awesome company and i love that um that's dope so you found a seed and you just happened to germ you just germinated that's you're just curious and you just wanted to do it that's pretty badass dude yeah yeah. Better than me. I'd have been thrown out. I've been calling to me like, why is there seeds in here, man? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was young, you know, I, I, it was some good, but it wasn't all seeded out or anything. Yeah. I still remember it like yesterday. So it, it was, it was a cool little experience that got me like liking the plant a lot more. So it's like some fate almost, you know, some good bud, but just one seed and you just happen to spark your interest. Um, that's awesome. So, you work at, so you're the head grower at Cookies Maywood. Um, how, how, what, what were you, were you, were, were you working jobs before that? Like where were um, Yeah, pretty much I was, uh, I was like, you know, uh, neck deep in, in the, in the industry, just growing to provide for my family and uh, to provide medicine for me and my friends. So uh, when I was about uh, 18, I rented out a house and blew up the garage, just, you know, put eight lights in there and it went well. So I got another house, started growing in another house and that led to like a warehouse. Um, so as I was growing and, and selling bud, um, I was also going up to Garberville, bringing down work. Uh, at the time, I would just open up the LA Jam magazine and try to vent to different shops uh, during the Prop 215 days. And I met my partner, Edwin. Uh, we, we built a relationship and he helped me get my first dispensary license and all that. So from there, just been doing the Prop 215 thing, went through a bunch of raids. Uh, they raided our dispensary in Sunland two times. Uh, and yeah, like one thing led to another, 
uh, opened up a grow shop, like a hydroponic shop, did that for about six years, and then decided, you know, the retail end of things wasn't really my thing. I was better with plants than I was with, you know, humans. So decided to, to get back into growing. Uh, started like a, like a little black market spot and worked on, you know, as the laws were changing towards recreational in California, I started doing my homework approaching uh, certain cities and seeing if, you know, we could educate the city council and, you know, the residents. So uh, we, we came to Maywood and uh, we started that out in neighboring cities as well, but we spent a lot of time over here educating the city council and uh, eventually ended up getting license over here in Maywood. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started as that was, you know, progressing, we started scouting out possible buildings and whatnot. And we found the building in Maywood that we're at right now. So uh, as we were building that out, uh, one of my partners was a mutual partner with Burner. They were doing the cocoa nugs together. Uh, his name is Alex. So uh, Alex had brought by uh, Steve LaBelle's their partner as well on Cocoa Nugs. So Alex and Steve happened to be coming by the building just to see progress on the building. And uh, I think Burner might have been working on a, on a track with uh, Scott and Steve. So uh, he just happened to FaceTime Steve LaBelle. And Steve's like, yo, I'm at this... Uh, cultivation place that they're building out right here in Maywood. So he let him see the spot and, you know, he liked it. He wanted to come tour the spot. So that's how, like, you know, my involvement with burner and cookies. Wow. That's, that's amazing. That's insane. That's, that is, that's some fate shit, dude. That's, that's insane. So, yeah. That's, so I was going to, I was going to ask about, so what's it like to work with Steve LaBelle? I'm curious. Like, I'm, I'm very curious about him because I, he seems like this, this, this kind of character that's just been he's been super successful in music and he's like so super connected and um yeah i'm curious like a mentor to me I, I met him in uh 2016 and he's a he's a he's a real straightforward businessman and uh you know he's he's been in the music industry for like 34 years managed some of the biggest names in hip-hop uh so uh, like i was just you know trying to soak up game being around a legend like steve i learned a lot from him spending time with him uh but yeah he's just a straightforward businessman is what i could say he's all about it you know making deals happen and doing what he says he's gonna do so yeah that's the sense i get this is you know when i see interviews with him and stuff you know he is very straight to the point like you know he's no he, he he seems um he seems like he seems good to work for. Um, yeah, that's all. That's amazing. So, and when did the Cookies Maywood store, by the way, open up officially? I'm curious. It opened up in uh, 2018. I believe it was January 11th. Uh, we kind of rushed the opening to make uh, Burner's album drop. And it was mm-hmm. his uh, mother passed away. So mm-hmm. he wanted something to change the energy of that day. So uh, we worked hard day and night to kind of make the opening. Uh, and it, it was good. It was a good turnout. So Jan, yeah, January 2018 was open. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so I'm curious. So you've been hearing about what's happening over at the uh, the WeHo one, where they're like all the neighbors are complaining. Do you guys have ever any any problems like that ever? I'm curious. Like just with because there's just so it's so popular. Like so many people come. 
Like, you yeah. know what I mean? So I mean, did we have like similar problems over here in Maywood? Yeah. Or like uh, it doesn't I, seem like it. Yeah, you know, like the, the, the traffic flow and all that. We we wanted to be good neighbors for for you know the residents over here as well as like the, the neighboring businesses. So we're we're really mindful and we 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 keep in close communication just to keep everybody happy. But uh, it, it did get busy for a while and we did piss some people off and little by little we made some adjustments to yeah. kind of take yeah. care. Yeah, no, it, it, it's one of those things I, I remember I did, I did like a little piece on it. It's just like, you guys are so, it's just so popular and so, so many people are coming. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Woo! My bad. Um, but uh, no, but it, it, it you know, it seems other kids made the adjustments and stuff, but uh, I mean, that's kind of a good problem to have. And, and obviously if you make the right adjustments, um, you know, that, that, that should be fine. And by the, so Maywood, where in May, where is Maywood? Okay. So I went, I recently, when I was in LA, I like, I've been to LA a couple of times. I'm going to start together a little bit more, but uh, I have, I'm from Seattle. So I have no idea. I'm pretty lost in LA, but I kind of realized that it's like LA is like a collection of like, neighbor like 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 little towns yeah smaller smaller unincorporated cities are all like in the greater la area or la county so uh we're like right on the outskirts of the city of la uh and we're on like the east east la side so you have all these little cities maywood is about like 1.1 square miles the whole city wow really really small city uh and we, we made a huge impact over here as far as like jobs we've created for uh the the city residents and neighboring cities tax revenue that uh, we give back to the city uh random charities that we do thanksgiving back to school and a bunch of other shit christmas time oh, wow. so yeah so it's a cool little area to be in but la is so huge it's like the the third biggest market in the world i think i bl- i mean it's it's the i bet it's the third biggest yeah and i mean you guys are like california is the fifth biggest economy in the world it like literally you're like california literally is like after i think it's germany yeah that's huge <laughs> it's like it's like u.s china japan germany california <laughs> <laughs> nuts right it's nuts uh that always blows my mind every time i say that um no that's 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 insane so so i want to go back to baby so like how how was prop 215 for you because i've heard a lot about it I, I know i know it was kind of a wild time it was like the golden era you know mm-hmm. as far as uh i feel like the vibes in the industry were a lot more pure right now the floodgates open for like a lot of bankers and a lot of, you know, suits that came in that have no love for the plan that just want to exploit the shit out of the plan and make a profit. So I, uh, I liked it back then a lot more. And, uh, the, the market was a lot more fair to the consumer too. You know, we had more compassionate pricing with tax taxes, you know, the, you didn't have the government gouging the, the consumer, uh, yeah, all, all in all, I loved it. And it kind of gave us our our start in the industry. Uh, regulations weren't as uh, tight as they are right now as far as licensing. We we were part of like a wave of shops that opened during the hardship era. So like if 
we put in a an application after the deadline you would kind of explain your hardship and uh, they would review the application and while they were reviewing it you had the right to operate a, a dispenser so that was like cool everybody figured it out and you know we were in that crowd so we started uh we got two shops licensed we, uh, and we kind of focused on uh, bringing like quality NorCal meds because at that time, uh, like 2007, 2008, uh, the indoor cultivation scene wasn't that big in LA, you know. So, it's mainly up in Sacramento kind of area, or yeah. Uh, so we we would go up to Humboldt to to pretty much the mecca of weed in California, you know, and we'd bring back mad flavor. So that kind of you know gave us our lane. Then we started growing in the back of our uh, dispensaries, kind of getting more into growing ourselves. So yeah, two fifteen era man was the golden era. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah I've, I, for me, like yeah. So we in Washington State, it was the golden era. It was like the, the 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 medical era of like I was I was at the very end of it, but you know it was like very free market not not crazy taxes or anything like that but no and you know kind of could you know if you had a medical card like I, I could sell to shops it was like it was super dope um but yeah so the pricing in california you know i've heard i mean i've seen it i've heard a lot about it like the pricing is pretty crazy dude like it's you know like you said with the compassionate you know um you know, there's more compassionate pricing back in 215. Do you think that I'll ever will get back to that pricing eventually, hopefully, or? Uh, I, I, say. I think so, definitely, especially with all the influx of, uh, you know, big, big farms coming online. Uh, I think it'll, you know, just like anything in history, supply and demand. Once uh, the supply catches up to the demand, I think it'll level off. And more so, I think, you know, where as a community, we got to work at picking away is, you know, lowering those taxes because that doesn't go towards anything beneficial for like the schools or, you know, like any, the fire department, you know, the people that actually need that tax money don't get it. It just goes back to these bullshit enforcement agencies that come up with bullshit ass, you know, inspections and this and that to come enforce more bullshit laws on on the cannabis operators so uh i see it going down i just hope it levels up on both playing fields as far as like the tax side and for you know the the producers that are producing the, the yeah absolutely i i think um <clears throat> you know i always say this too is like some of these politicians they're so um they're so uh one might you know one um short term they, they, they think very short term right so that's why they're raising the tax so high. But it's like, if they were smart, they'd be like, because you guys have the create, you have this crazy, California has this crazy problem of like, the illegal market is like five times bigger than the legal market. Yeah. Meaning that they could collect potentially if they were to lower taxes and start to shrink the illegal market a little bit. And that's how you would do it. You'd like more access, better pricing, and then convenience and a store open is always convenient, more convenient. Um, why like i don't know you think these i personally think these politicians just get greedy and just are just short-term thinkers but it's like if they really were to be smart about this they would lower taxes now and then slow you know maybe slowly bump them up a little bit over time if if, if be fair but like 
look at, you know, there's in 2019, California had, they, they estimated the illegal market at 12, uh, $12 billion and the legal market at 3.1, which is like, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, over here in Maywood, we have, uh, they actually raised the taxes since they passed the ordinance instead of lowering it and making it more competitive throughout, you know, neighboring cities and trying to gain the business of, you know, the public. Uh, we pay 10% uh, California sales tax, 15% California excise tax, and uh, we charge the customer 6% for the city of Maywood marijuana tax but we paid may with 10 percent. you pay that 10 percent. wow the four percent we had it at the six percent and when the city raised it on us we just decided so like the business will absorb that rather than pass it along to the customer because it's it's hard you know like having somebody pay 35 percent in taxes like it's unheard of yeah it's it's everybody's growing some garage weed you know it sucks because probably sprayed with a bunch of shit or grown with pgrs or definitely won't pass testing but it's the only affordable alternative that you have and when you can't afford you know high price medicine and taxes at the store then that's your only option yeah yeah it's unfortunate dude it's these these politicians need to realize this i don't know it's just, I don't know. It's greedy as fuck to me, it seems like. But um, and it also is just is stupid. It's not even like smart thinking long term. Um, yeah, that's crazy. So, you know, what's crazy to me about L.A. is like the fact that you can like, I mean, it still kind of happens today, right? But like there's like just so many of these like illegal shops that pop up and it's like people like start brands, like real brands in the illegal market and then potentially can carry them over to the legal I always find that so interesting and like that's like really LA is the only place you could do that in my opinion like what do you, what's your thoughts on that yeah I mean the the culture is heavy over here and you know that's how all the, the original so-called like legacy brands started you know it was, it was all uh, done in the black market illegally uh, so it's it's crazy that you say it only happens in LA. I didn't really think of it like that. Think about it, dude. Think about it. Think about it. Well, it might happen a little bit in New York, but it's really just big markets. Like, because what you, I think what you need is you need to have enough people doing it to the point where you're going to get lost in the crowd. There's so many of you. Cause if it's, you're like isolated or if it's not that many of you, like yeah, cops you will just pick you off. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, right. So it's like you're you're hiding with you're hiding in the crowd of all these same people doing the same thing. And so you need that large number of people, meaning a big market. Um but yeah, no, got trust me though. LA is different with that, dude. It's it's yeah, y'all are different for that. Yeah. Right now, like plus the game in general, not just in LA, everywhere in the world, shit's getting watered down. Everything's becoming like, you know, uh just more towards branding. Everybody's got a flashy ass Mylar bag and they're making a couple of fucking t-shirts and you know, boom, they're, they're a cannabis brand now. Uh, just gaining the respect of the, the P the culture people is more important. I think that's, uh, that's what I see. I think anybody could just get some bud, put it in a cool logo Mylar bag and, and sell it. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, you'll, you'll gain some traction, but in, longevity wise you know you got to be 
got to be an innovator, man. You got to be putting the groundwork. You got to have a solid foundation. I got love for the plant. You know, we're, we're not out here just like renaming strains. We're putting the legwork. We're actually breeding something, taking the time and the space to, to hunt through stuff. A lot of people, they don't want to give up their, you know, production space to, to hunt something, to bring something new. They'll just grab some clones that somebody else made and get to work and, you know, put some whatever that's going to sell. If, if gelatos are in demand, they're growing gelatos. If GGs are in demand, they'll grow that. But, you know, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to take our time and bring something to the table. Kind of like, you know, like music. So there's, so much when the age of the internet and technology now everything's consumed so fast like somebody spends a, a year making an album and you listen to it for like a week or two and then you don't want to listen to that shit no more somebody's coming in with a new album right behind it so uh, bringing strains and, and new like turf profiles to, to the market it takes a lot of time i think that's like one of the things that's the, the part of the culture that's being unappreciated with all these random brands popping up and watering the whole scene down making up names and all this bullshit it's just that's not good for the culture or or you know the whole yeah you know absolutely so it's you know it's so interesting so because like i've been learning a lot more about the genetics side of things i have i wasn't you know i'm much i'm much more educated now on it but um I've been, I'm doing this piece on, on Chris compound. And I've, so it's helped me ex kind of explore the, the genetic side of stuff. But like, I mean, it always blew my mind. Cause I've been in like, I've been in meetings where people are sitting around the table. It's like, they're like, okay, like, what do we rename this? And it's just like, and I, and I'm just like, wait, this is what happened. This is what it is. This is, this is how they do it. <laughs> um, a lot they'll take some purple punch or now it's like runs nowadays right is that, so are we in the runs era right now is that's what i've heard that's what people have told me like you, you know we were in the purple punch earlier right yeah. sorry we're definitely in the runs era <laughs> yeah so what do you what do you think that phenomenon is so it was like you know like for example there's the bubba era right like now and now there's a pre-98 bubba i love that's one of my favorite strains of all time it's pre-98 bubba but you know up here in seattle they stomped on the bubba man they really destroyed that name <laughs> um i don't and then there's the purple punch right because it, it was good and i think like the core now tell me if this is the truth for runs but i think like if you look at like the purple punch or the bubba they both were great selling weed right maybe not the best smoke maybe not the best like you know high or whatever but great look not best smell but great look bag appeal does that does that apply for runs or no uh that i think bag appeal plays a major factor for, for runs in general and i think what you know kind of made like anything like i think the first few batches from like the breeder or like whoever's marketing that brain is all always like good and then as cuts start getting out or like you know people start renaming certain things uh runs or, or bubba or gorilla glue yeah yeah the gg it have it doesn't have that the, the same uh, aesthetics it doesn't have the same turf profile i think over time that just kills the name it of dilutes it right because i think it's like the more you know the more you yeah the more the more volume to potentially if you don't do it right if it's not if it's not like 
if it's not mediated by the same group of people that are keeping the quality control there, then, you know, I think that could potentially dilute it. Um, no, I always think that's so fascinating is do you, any predictions for like the next wave or is it hard? It's hard to tell. Uh, man, <laughs> I'm just curious. Yeah. It's hard to tell. I mean, a lot of, a lot of guys are putting in a lot of good work. Chris from compounds kicking ass. Yep. Uh, C junkie does this. There's, there's yep. just so many breeders that are just working within their own genetic pool and, and, uh, killing shit. So it's, uh, it's it's good to see everybody you know hard at work the real breeders and the, and the the people that actually you know put the groundwork uh but it's interesting like certain breeders like their their genetics over time starts becoming very uh similar and stuff you know all the km stuff the the cushman's crosses and oh, yeah. that starts to have its own like you know characteristics and looks and I don't know. For a while, everything bred with gelato was coming gelato, out. Gelato, that was a phase gelato too. Yeah. It, you know, so it's finding something that's not that that dominant to where it just tastes like another gelato remix. You know, so it's hard to say. Yeah, but, dude, it's, it's like opening up a box full of different fruit and like fuck, bro. It's like every time it's a surprise. So. Everybody no, I love that. I that's yeah. No, the gelato gelato had a good run, dude. It, it had a, but it's. I, I just find it so fascinating that like there's these like trends of of, of flavors and and is you know not to say but like not to say not to say that like there's so many amazing breeders out there, but like kind of are some of the top. You'd say like top some of the top breeders are like compound sea junkie i've heard a lot about masonic smoker uh what are some other dope breeders that you like Fuck, some breeders uh symbiotic genetics did their thing you know they they put down some good stuff uh oh, man. I'm, I'm there's so many i know there's so there's so many and and gears always fire mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah hell yeah so what what's what style of grow do you guys do run i'm curious uh we we do we're growing in rockwell right now mm-hmm. we grow in uh i've grown in everything i've done soil i've done cocoa rockwell but uh i think for commercial uh indoor cultivation rockwell makes the most sense it's the most sterile and so as far as like crop steering and workflow everything i think that's the the way to go yeah because i because i know like there's some like I, I like i said i'm really not i'm i know i know a good amount but i'm by no means uh, a growing expert at all but i, I coco is kind of like takes a lot longer and people kind of more of the people say that like oh coco is like how you grow the bet but that's that's not i mean i've heard that like for commercial i've heard that too like commercial rockwell is without doubt the best yeah i mean you, you, get, you get all types of different opinions from everybody you know some people say living soil is like the way yeah. to when it brings out the most expression uh and, and the characteristics in the bud uh some people like cocoa some people like rockwell i think it's all personal preference but just yeah like circling back to like cleanliness and workflow and and, and all of that and even like pushing the plant to its maximum 
uh, I think Rockwell is the way to go. We have substrate sensors that we're uh, getting back data from, and all our uh, feeds are pretty much tailored to the, that strain in that room, how it's uh, performing, how it's uh, you know consuming uh, the, the fertilizer and the water. So based on all that data, we just adjust our our uh, feeding techniques. That's that's amazing. That's a badass, dude. So yeah, I so. I love that. So about the data, like how has data, so the, you know, I've talked about this um, in another piece I did, but you know, a data is kind of, you know, it's like the most valuable commodity now in the world, whether it's on us or on, you know, growing plants or um, you know, how has data helped you guys? Have you seen like significant changes? Has it really like, yeah. Significant changes. Uh, when we were growing in uh, cocoa coir, we pretty much watered the plants, you know, one time, and that would that would keep the the substrate wet enough uh, until the next day or two days, uh, depending on how they're uh, drinking it up. But this is like if, with cocoa, we were yielding, you know, two and a half pounds per light. Now our our average is about three and a half per light. Wow. Some strains even go above four, so and I think it really helps you uh, push the plant to, to its peak performance. Hundred percent, and that's that's insane. So uh, really push you up like another pound and a half. That's wild. Um, you know, it's funny. So like, you know, <clears throat> uh, what's his name? I think it's Mike McCarthy. He's like, so he's the former. He was the Packers head coach, um, right? And he and he never used analytics. He never used data to like determine how he would like make certain moves. And like people gave him a lot of shit. And then he ends, he ends up getting fired. He gets hired by the Cowboys, but um, now he's incorporated. Like nowadays, why I bring that up nowadays, you have to use data and analytics. If you're going to be a NFL head coach, is that going to eventually get to the point with growing? Do you think? Like where you're gonna you're gonna have to or no? Yeah, definitely because uh, I mean it's scaled up a lot from you know the setting that we we used to be in, a couple hundred light warehouses. Uh, you know, like this is like the, the professional league. You know, you're you're on the on a on a big big scale. So all that shooting from the hip. Uh, it works one time, it won't work the second time. And then, you know, you got partners, you have to explain why this room did good. And so we're trying to take, eliminate the guessing factor out of it and just be more data driven. If there's anything that went wrong, you know, within a 30 day period, you could look back on your graph and you could see, hey, for two or three days, we had fluctuations in our environment, our AC was acting up, or we had rolling blackouts. We don't have like a backup generator. So we were at the mercy of the environment and whatever equipment we could power up. So I think, yeah, data driven is going to be the name of the game if you're trying to succeed in the big league. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, I think with everything in our world, almost, almost like a lot of business, like almost all business, you're going to have to start to realize, you know, data data gives you the more data gives you the answers like if you like you said if you need to explain something to a partner or you know all that stuff so i think that yeah that's that's fascinating to me um i'm curious so why i'm curious like what why did you decide to and i i'm just curious if there's anything specific but like why did you end up deciding to 
partner with i mean i i, I could probably guess why because there's there's so many re- amazing reasons why but why did you why did you decide to partner with uh, uh cookies and, and uh what were just i guess what was some of the things that were going through your guys head um with that uh, I, I could i could probably guess dude because it's like i would it's an amazing opportunity but yeah, i'm just curious being an amazing opportunity i mean uh i was just in my couple of years leading up to me getting the license at Maywood and putting this project together, I was uh, coming off of a five-year uh, very strict probation that I had uh, got on because of the raids at my dispensary. And I couldn't really build a brand when everybody was out there during the Prop 215 days, going to the high times, you know, whether they were paying people off to win these fucking hundreds of uh, first place awards. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I, you know, I interviewed, you know, I interviewed the guy who the, the new director of the high times canvas cups. And I asked him that question. I go, cause I've been told by people like literally that have been like said that like we were supposed to get first place. And then like at the last minute it got changed. Like, like I, everyone knows it was bribery, but apparently this new system is not as bad. But yeah, I'm not going to name any companies, but one company has 86 uh, <laughs> fucking awards. Bro, you got luck like that. If, if people are blind, like Pepsi challenging your shit and picking your shit every time, fuck, you got, or you got good luck, bro. Go play the fucking lottery. Pretty sure you're going to be a billionaire, bro. You're, you're in the wrong place. You got good luck. Yeah, man, they made, it, they made it a little too obvious, I think. But um, I'm glad that hopefully that era is done. I mean, I, I like shout out to Mark Kaz. He's the new and like with the new system they've done, you know, it's a lot harder to do that. But you never know, man. It, it's it's it is. It was always a little iffy. Like I've heard I've heard wild stories of like, well, and when I interviewed Mark, like when I interviewed Mark, the guy who's in charge of him now, he's like, yeah, no, I've been people have offered me like 30K. Like like he's like he's like be like, oh, so could I pay for this spot? Like they, 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 it was, they're so used to paying for it almost that like, I got the sense at least that like they were you thrown know, off by this guy saying, no, like, no, I'm not. <laughs> it's, it's fucked up, but it's like that. I think with most, uh, you know, cannabis related awards and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, I let, I let the people, the people's, uh, the market, know, yeah, the market talk back to us, bro. And let, let us know where they're either feeling it or they're not they either fuck with it or they don't and you can't just you know always take the uh, the dub you know you got to take the l sometimes too you got to learn from your losses so uh, you know every, michael jackson didn't make 100 hit songs some of his you know songs were trash bro and i'm sure he heard it from his fans so that's that's what we try to gauge our our uh you know engagement and everything let the let the market uh uh craft your 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 brand your product like that's what i always say is like you know i remember i was consulting with uh, uh, a company way back or like a couple years ago and and this person was just like very afraid to put something out he was very afraid to put a brand out and i'm like put your put his product out put it with a brand but it's like no no no, you need to do that that's what has to happen because you need to let the market craft let, let the market formulate what you're going to end up being because it's not like what you start out with is going to be the end result you have to get that feedback. So like, and I'm all, I'm all about like failure is, is good in a sense, not good. Like you don't aim to be fail, but like the higher volume of failures, the more you're going to be able to m- learn from it. Right. You're going to be able to make those changes and stuff and let the market 
you know, uh, formulated. But yeah, you're right, dude. The best feedback, you know, no, no offense to any of these cannabis awards, but yeah, fuck those cannabis awards. Like, they're they're just very subjective, and it, and 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 personally, what I always think is, you know, and this is why I like what High Times is doing now is they've opened up like they have like 4,600 judges now instead of fucking five. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you know, so, so, but that, but I think that idea of more judges kind of correlates with like, let the market, the greater market decide, because that's what will, you know, best pricing, best quality, best, you know, overall brand perception is a big part of this now. Um, you know, so yeah. So, and I, I'm curious, I'm curious too, like from a, from your, from a grower's perspective, you know, do, do you see the like I, I always tell you know I kind of come you know from more from the the the, the brand on the I see like the brand side and then there's the growing side and they're both really really important growing I think is uh you know a little bit more important but I think like there's a balance between the two right because and going back in sorry we're going back into your point about you know why you decided to go with cookies right like is the, is there is there a balance there or you know because there's a lot of growers out there that like really, really don't like the brand side, you know, and I get it, but it's like, you need to have that. I'm, I'm one of those growers. Bro. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm more culture and not business driven. And unfortunately when you're trying to share, you know, the, the menu with the world, it has to be business driven. You can't be, you know, you can't drive a business with your heart because you love something. Sometimes you're going to make some decisions that aren't profitable like I do, I, I, I devote a lot of space to fucking pheno hunting and finding new flavors. My partners might not agree with it, but I think that it's important to, you know, keep us at the forefront of things and, and to push it forward. But there, you've got to have that balance between both the growing side and the brand side. And uh, it's very, very important. Okay. Anybody listening right now, you heard this here, right? This is what I've been saying. This is what I've been telling is like, to be able to highlight the amazing growers, there needs to be the brand in nowadays. Cause the one thing I always like, I always like another a reason why I like started doing kind of this media stuff is like, I, st- I did it for cannabis entrepreneurs, but another reason is to like, I talked a lot about a brand initially uh, in my YouTube and, and it was to kind of speak to like these growers is like, you guys need to look at brand because if you want to keep doing what you love, you got to have that. And, and you know, hearing that i think from yourself like you know how important that is you know it's a new it's a new landscape but it's a new it's a new environment and like you have to adapt or die and and now you know it used to be more so like this was growing this is brand right here and now they've kind of gotten like this now they're almost you know uh balanced a little bit you know but you know i do think that it's important for uh you know people for growers to know that because I, I i want all these people that have been doing that you know to have this love for the plant to keep doing it you know yeah so. well, don't you got to evolve with that man like you said you know and you guys whoever's listening that's a you know that passion grows some good pot you know work on a brand so you can showcase your work or else it's going to get hard all these brands popping up and you'll just get left you know and and you'll, and you'll really just like, you know, there's kind of, you know, I think there's going to be a group of growers in the, in the future that are going to like, I always tell, so I, what I like to tell, you know, growers and like brands and stuff like companies is like, you know, don't ever like on terms of like with the big corporations coming in, don't try to compete on necessarily scale, I would say, but like 
try to compete, like compete on brand because that's what you can compete on. Right. So that means growing the best quality and then having that energy of the best quality product get transferred into the brand instead of it just kind of dissipating out into like the rest of the world. You know what I mean? So your brain is like what captures the quality of the, of the cannabis, of the quality of the product. So, so that, and so, so the back end is the, is the, is the, is the, is the grow, right? It's the product. And then the front end is the brand. And you need to have those two, because if you just have the back end, it's going to dissipate and you're not going to be able to collect it. And then eventually what's going to happen is, in my opinion, is you're going to have, you know, uh, you're going to be sitting at the table and, and you know, you're not going to have any, you know, leverage power, but you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been an interesting, it's been interesting to see it develop. And I, I hope, I hope people can hope growers can figure that out. Uh, you know, the ones that maybe are a little against brand, but you know, adapt, yeah. Adopt or die for sure. Um, that was kind of the reason how we, yep. we, you know, going back to the question, uh, we, did the partnership with cookies because coming off of that probation period and everybody being able to build their brand on the 215 side, I had to be real hush hush about the business I was doing. We were still growing heavy, but we couldn't just be out there putting our face out there or a brand or anything, taking that risk. So uh, when it came time to uh, open up Maywood, we were originally going to call it high bread and, uh, that's, you know, what we're focusing on. And uh, after like a meeting with Burner and stuff, like we were like, all right, we were open to the idea of having to be like a cookies hybrid collab. And then we said, you know, like scratch that, dude, let's just have it be the, the cookies flagship first, you know, vertically integrated spot. So we did it without looking back. And it, it's been good. To be honest, uh, straightforward with you financially, I don't think, we would have been able to get over the hump if we didn't partner up with cookies. It would have been a very uh, slow start. And with uh, the legal market and all the, the financial things that we went through in the beginning, it just would have been really hard. So I, I'm glad we made that decision. And uh, Burner, Jiga, and the brand, uh, they're, they're great people. You know? So yeah. we work on that together. So yeah, absolutely. How it came out, how it came about. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, that's and that's kind of what I, I, I kind of get like, it did seem kind of it brings some security to you, you know, to be able to have those those people and those part of, you know, uh, you know, because starting out just by, you know, it can be Yeah, I, I definitely see where that's coming from. Um, and, you know, in terms of um, like what was the like like what was the meeting like with Burner? I'm curious. Like what 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 you know were there some things that stuck out that you like really resonated with you? And I mean, at the time, I I, uh, I used to listen to his music and just being like a a, a weed smuggler, a grower, a dealer. Like uh, I really fucked with his music, you know. So uh, it was cool to meet him, and uh, I I brought some of my tree to show him. Uh, I think he thought we were just maybe like money people and he was trying to like feel us out and kind of like gauge the situation to see our knowledge and our involvement in the industry. And uh, he was like blown away at the, at the bags that we were showing him. And uh, we just talked about, you know, uh, the plant strains and different breeders that were popping at the time, what we're growing in our current uh, rotation and, you know, what our vision was and, things like that. 
but it was it was a good meeting. We fired up a, a few joints and shit, and uh, gave him gave him some backs to take back to Frisco with him, and he hit us back. He was like blown away at the bud. So he was like, "Bro, if you guys are growing quality like this. I'm sure you guys are gonna kill it with our genetics." So that yeah, was it. Was a great start. First, we just met him, and then he came back down with Jiga, and uh, he toured it and. Jigga's like, you know, he's he's more on the growing side of things and breeding. And he's so, such a like a passionate person. I don't know if you've watched his like videos and the way I've he- seen I've seen him sometimes. I have seen Nazman, I've seen way more interviews with Werner, but like with him, it's just like he's just like, oh, like look, like I know you mean like he is very passionate. I love seeing that. The fucking bud and, yeah. <laughs> and you're drawn in hundred percent. So love that. to have him over. And uh, you know, we went over some things and some the some of the, some of the strains he was going to bring down and we talked about breeding projects and stuff. So yeah, we kicked it off nice and strong and it was fun, man. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Burner is the, the, like the go, right. He's a legend. And, and I like, you know, I, 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 I'm sure like most of us, we all look up to him kind of, um, I think he's been really smart. Like what he's done really smart, like is he's, he, he has so many connections with growers. Like he, he really, like I have friends that he like, you know, he taps into that you know aren't even connected like he's like a very good at keeping constant like relations with all the growers all around right like he that's something that i think he's really amazing at is that kind of relationship you know uh, manager almost too yeah he's an amazing businessman and amazing people person he's a great friend and just his communication skills his work ethics are just like I heard his work ethic is ridiculous. I've heard it's, I've heard from, yeah, people, call, yeah, I've heard it's fucking wild. How he goes that hard. But, uh, and, and he has, he has a huge, huge uh, following in, in our uh, sector and uh, the platform that he shares with different breeders, whether they're like in their big time breeders or small, you know, they got a little house girl, but they're putting out the heat. Like he shares his platform and, and he helps catapults people, uh, you know in the industry so he definitely helped shine the light on uh on us and i'm thankful for that forever yeah, absolutely absolutely dude yeah no he he definitely is someone that you know i think um i don't want to say that like, like he's kind of a kingmaker i mean in, in a sense because you know because i i think people trust his, his ability to find the quality find those people that are putting out the quality and um i mean you know I, like i don't know if i would have found you without you know, like the, you know, that, so you're right, dude. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, that's, yeah. Shout out, shout out to burner shout out to Jigo. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. Have you been to Steve Lobel's uh, lemonade one, the, the, the music museum? Have you? Uh, I, have, I haven't been there yet. I got to go check it out. Yeah, I need to go check that out too, dude. I've been seeing that, bro. I'm a, yeah, I thought, I think all the hip hop artifacts and shit when it was at his house, like it's a, like his house was like, it's nuts. Yeah, that, but that's nuts, dude. But, well, I didn't really realize until I like really did research. And, you know, I think Steve LaBelle kind of represents like this really, he's like that really, he's, he represents as like a person, he, he represents kind of this intersection between like music and, well, I think Burner does, but I think Steve, Steve LaBelle is like, like I did research on him and like, dude, this guy is like, he's like a man, like a, like a, like I, 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 th- I thought initially it was like, Oh, he's just cause he's, um, he was Scott Storch's manager. No, no, no. This guy is like a hip hop legend. He's like one of these people behind the scenes that have like, 
like i saw this this clip of him uh with like with uh with kendrick lamar and like talking like yo like um tell him about that time way back like you just see kendrick lamar like literally you just go yeah like like this is the big homie like put me and nipsey on put j-rock on put like uh just all these people it's it's why yeah it's it's i I didn't really know i had no idea who he was until i looked him up and like realized it's like whoa dude this guy is legit yeah he's done a lot for the music industry uh business-wise too i mean he's put he's put you know some legends in the room together that would have never crossed paths you know some fucking amazing music was you know happened because he placed two individuals in a room at the same time. And that's kind of how, you know, our shit came about too. Putting, you know, Burner and us in the same room, making it happen. He's a man that connects the dots. Really though, dude. I mean, he, no, that's the, that's, the, that's the sense that I got. You know, I think, you know, he's helped Burner get some of those, some of the, some really dope features and just other other people. And I love his, uh, I don't know if he recently put this on, but I saw on his, his Instagram profile. It's, uh, and this is, this is true. This is hella true. But, but it's like uh, the coach lasts longer than the player. And I love that because it's true. Absolutely true. Yes. It absolutely, absolutely true. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Wise words to, to live by, man. hundred percent. No, hundred percent. Especially, you know, if you're in an industry like music where trends kind of come and go, you know, it's like, you know, these, these, you know, the, the the grower lasts longer than the strain trend, right? Almost, you know, right? You can put that. But uh, um, no, hell yeah. So I'm interested um, in ter- in terms of what is there any future future plans for yourself, or you know, or are you gonna keep just? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of wanted. I've always wanted to have my own brand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, I kind of, you know, being this involved with uh, with cookies, I kind of went to burner for for his blessing first before I, you know, popped up a brand and seemed like I was trying to, you know, uh, yeah. take that shine away from cookies or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I I've always wanted a brand, so I started a uh, Fiore with uh, my partner Big Tuna and Edwin, and uh, that's kind of been our baby. It's, it's going to be like a lot of breeding and growing and and stuff like that so well yeah and then that you guys are killing it then i for i i didn't realize that okay okay that's no i saw that okay i saw that yeah you guys are crushing it yeah, yeah. you guys are going off bro <laughs> yeah. yeah dude no that's what's up fuck yeah dude i, I okay I, when i was doing research on you i knew that i for some reason knew that but i just it crossed my i didn't I forgot i didn't realize it initially right here i guess but damn dude yeah you guys are crushing it that's awesome bro i, lo- I love that we're just trying to focus really on just like going heavy on the breeding and hunting side uh we have two buildings in adelanto in the high desert over here uh the first building we uh we popped in uh 14,000 seeds with our partners uh wow. Don and, uh 120 plus strains like really really deep pheno hunts some some strains were like six seven hundred seeds of one particular cross wow trying to you know find those gems and then uh we we got a whole bunch that we kept we kept about uh 40 strains multiple phenos of each and uh we're just circling back to like you know pick like the one or two phenos that absolutely stand out 
we got a bunch of them in uh, our first round of breeding. So uh, the seeds just came off of those. So yeah, we're going to start, you know, building our own little genetic pool and uh, going hard on that. Yeah, dude. Well, I've, yeah. I mean, I've heard, yeah, my, yeah, no, I, I don't know why I didn't remember that part. But yeah. I've been hearing about you guys for a minute. Yeah. You guys are killing it. Um, and I do think it's dope too, that you guys kind of, you got, you, you started that other brand and, and, and you're kind of also you're kind of your, 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 you, you knew it was important. It's also a passion. It seems like of yours, but you know how important that, that breeding is, how important that gene pool is and, uh, and, and not kind of just giving that up, you know, always keeping that in. So I think that's, that's super smart. You guys, that's, that's super dope. Um, no, yeah, man, this is, this is, yeah, I really do. This was, I, I, you know you're a legend dude personally i think um and i i always really appreciate people like you coming on dude because uh yeah a hundred percent um in terms of so i'm curious so i'm curious like in terms of uh what are some of the what 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 are some of the other other cannabis brands you kind of like or you you think are, are doing something right if you could name any and you know man like i think one person i haven't met him personally but following him on ig and watching his uh, grows uh the guy from a brand uh, a golden state uh i think his name is bear yeah like his grows fucking he crushes his growth, man, and the quality of his product is amazing. We, we carry their brand uh, on ourselves. He's really kicking ass. Uh, but I'm trying to think, I'm having a brain fart right no, now. No, you're good. You're good. No, and, and you know, and um, yeah, there's so many. There's so many, dude. It's kind of hard to like. He's yeah. kicking ass. You know, yep. a big inspiration. Uh, a lot of people, man. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. Always talking about that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. What you've been? I'm curious. What you? What do you think about the Backpack Boys? The Backpack Boys. Uh, they've been. They've been like real, like blown like up. Boys right now. I like it. Um, I like the quality of their product. I think it would be interesting to see them do some breeding like outside the like the gelato lines that they've been doing yeah. they have killer stuff i'm not i'm not bad mouthing it but the line is like lemon cherry gelato apple gelato this gelato that gelato yeah. like i'm sure they're gonna fuck shit up like if they, branch if they go out, out yeah they're gonna yeah. even crush even more yeah but yeah they're fucking shit up man Shout yeah out. no they are dude they they've been in chat dude i knew it was real when i was on the way back from la um and i there's three like three different random people on the plane were were wearing backpack boys and i was like what the fuck dude like i was like these guys are and i've been hearing about like and people you know i'm people like i'm tapped in with like like i have people that like literally are like just look on the lookout for brands and like who's kind of on the rise and stuff they'll be like telling me and stuff and i've been hearing backpack boys a lot but um that's been interesting you said a golden state though the other one is that the other the, the... a golden state a golden state okay I'm gonna check them out. I don't know if I've heard of them. That's that's super dope. That's super dope. Um well I'd love to have you back, man. Um I definitely would love to have you back. Um if you'd be open to it. Um 
Yeah, where where can the where can the people find you? I'll put your Instagram down below. Yeah, my Instagram is uh, surge underscore cannabis with two S's, and uh, yeah, that's yep. pretty much the only platform I'm really on right now. Uh, between work and like juggling like social media, shit gets hectic. But I bet, I bet, dude. Well, we gotta we gotta link up, dude. When uh when I, when I'm down in LA or you know whenever, hope one day one day we'll meet in person. But uh you know it was it's an honor to have you on dude um yeah dude definitely would love to have you come back guys go check out his instagram the guy the link will be down below um and uh yeah man uh so this was the frame of flower podcast episode number god i always forget fuck 44 with my man serge thank you again serge thank you for having me bro thank you for the time appreciate you Always up in the street, flowing by. You know the fuck it is. <laughs>